everyone how are you doing it's so good to be with you this morning uh, getting straight into it i want to ask you a question what comes to mind when you hear the word justified now for some of you like me you might circle back to justin timberlake's grammy award winning debut solo album um, and what an album that was by the way full of hits but don't worry that's not what we're talking about today for others it might be the first time hearing the word and again no worries we're going to look at what this word means but also how does it relate to grace let me just catch up to speed over the past few weeks we've heard the apostle paul writing to churches in galatia to remind them of the gospel and the unmerited favor that is given by god we heard that grace transforms lives and how this grace is not just for a certain people group but all can receive it in the passage today, this all comes to a head as Paul describes his confrontation with Peter. So last week we read Paul was tasked with spreading his good news to Gentiles, all non-Jews, and Peter to Jews. But Paul has heard of a distortion of the good news which Peter is involved in, and it has had a devastating impact. And Paul being Paul calls it out by once again reminding the readers of the truth about grace. Now, before we get into the text, the question you might have is, why did you even bring justification up, Chris? Well, in biblical terms, justification is the act of bringing a person into right standing with God. It's declaring an accused person innocent, enabling them to enter into God's family and all that comes with this. And the issue that Paul is addressing in the text is, is what we're going to look at, is exactly this. How does justification take place? At the time of writing this letter, there were a number of Jewish believers which Paul calls the circumcision group. And this had stated that for someone to be justified, they needed to be circumcised and follow the customs and practices found in the law of Moses, essentially works. Paul, hearing this, and knowing what's at stake, takes exception to this, and he passionately calls Peter out for his behaviour. Let's read Galatians 2. When Cephas, that's Peter, came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined in him in his, him in his, his hypocrisy, so that their, by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas in front of all of them all, you are, Jew, you are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? So here's Paul calling Peter out for his actions. But what has he done? Verse 12, before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself. You see, among the many laws of Moses was the distinction of what to eat and what not to. And although this, this did not specify who you should sit next to when eating, many first century Jews wouldn't sit next to a Gentile, knowing they do not follow these laws and customs. And actually, in first century culture, if you were to dine with someone, it suggested you were of equal status. Therefore, Paul, Paul, uh, Peter's 
slow withdrawal from eating with Gentiles and sitting at their table was a statement of superiority and an agreement that these customs, these beliefs of following the law and trusting in, in works were to be upheld. And what does Paul do? Well, Paul hits back and calls him a hypocrite. It's almost as if he's, he's saying, what are you doing, Peter? You used to eat with Gentiles. Now you don't out of fear. And actually, it's a bit deeper than that. The word hypocrite relates to play acting and would be used to describe a first century actor who wears a mask to depict a mood or character. So instead, Paul is saying, that's not even who you are, Peter. You know the gospel. Do not pretend to accept Jewish legalism to fit in. Paul is calling him and the readers to embrace the true gospel and do away with the legalism that brings separation and pride. So what is the gospel? What is the good news Paul is highlighting? Let's read on. We who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus, that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. Because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. But if in seeking to be justified in Christ, we Jews find ourselves also among the sinners, doesn't that mean that Christ promotes sin? Absolutely not. If I rebuild what I destroyed, then I would really be a lawbreaker. Ah, man, man that's good. Uh, what Paul does is allow the implications of trusting in works to make his argument. He says, no one can be justified by the law. If we follow this route, if we are judging by the law, we all fail, we all fall short. As I mentioned earlier, there were many, many laws that needed to be followed. And if one were to be missed, it meant all the good work of following the others became void. Therefore, all of us who do that can't be justified through the law. What Paul is saying is it's impossible to keep up with all of them. And actually, they ha highlight the need for something else and or someone else. And the good news is that Jesus is that someone else. In his living, dying and resurrection, he fulfilled the law. And by trusting in him, the matter of fact is that we too are justified. Listen to what Paul says in Romans. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came in Christ Jesus. Justification is what happens when people believe in Christ and put their trust in him. Not by works, meeting a quota, or following specific rules. In and through Christ we are able to access forgiveness of our sins, and it is by Christ alone that someone is able to be in right standing with God. Paul comes across so passionately because he sees the damage this tweaking of the gospel can do. He's seen around the corner. And in fact, the behaviour of Peter and the circumcision group is proof. As they inserted the need for works, it resulted in exclusivity, separation and the belittling of those who were supposed to be included. As Peter retreated, his actions stated that the Gentiles needed more than Jesus to be justified. It's as if the work he completed on the cross is not enough. Whereas Paul understands the deep work which Jesus has done. This is not to say doing good works or following the law is to be done away with, but rather these things are not the be all and end all, and we cannot put our trust or faith in them to justify us. Let's read on. Verse 19, for through the law I died to the law, so that I might live for God. 
I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. This is Paul yet again denouncing the method of works to gain justification. But what does he mean by dying to the law that he might live for God? He's simply saying that he no longer holds hope in keeping the laws and practices and has now placed full trust in Christ and in the work of the cross. But he goes further than that. Verse 20. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. This is the transformation that takes place in all who call themselves a Christian. You see, putting our trust in Jesus isn't just a theological concept, but it's a remarkable thing that takes place. As we do this, we enter into a shared identity with Christ in his death and also in his resurrection, which allows us to be seen as Christ is seen by God, blameless and a child of his. The death of Christ releases believers from the hold that sin would have. The resurrection of Christ raises believers to new life, free from that same hold, and enables them to live justified. What Paul is saying is that as followers of Christ, we become so entwined with him that his identity of free and innocent is ours. What's true of him is true of us. Now I realise there's a lot in there. I mean, first of all, Paul is writing to churches in the first century who in many ways are different to where we find ourselves today. What relevance does the words of Paul have for us? And if they are relevant, how are we even to digest all that? How do we live in response to what Paul is saying here? Well, firstly, the churches in Galatia face similar difficulties we do in the 21st century. For them, it was the distorting of the gospel and the teaching that works are needed. Now, we might not face that within the church, but more so society and culture. We only need to reflect on some of the things we experience in today's society to see we're not too dissimilar. Acceptance is often gained by what a person brings to the table, their attributes, their skills or abilities whether it's jobs, social structures, sport teams, politics, education, the list goes on. There are requirements for someone to make the mark to be included. Often our culture shouts out the need for us to trust in works. And I'm not saying these are all bad things. We need qualified doctors, plumbers, teachers for this side. But within the church and faith, we have to be aware of what we are asking people and ourselves to be, to be accepted. If we lean too much on this, we could find ourselves slowly retreating from the Gentile table and applying measurements to our faith. So what can we take from Paul's letter? Well, number one, we are to remind ourselves that we are a new creation. Paul in his writing comes across frustrated and grieved, but also determined to remind the readers of who they are. As he calls Peter a hypocrite, he is, he is shouting to him to remember his identity. Remember what it means to walk in line with the truth of the gospel. Paul is so convinced that as a person comes to Christ, they are made new. And so for us it is the same. As we come to Christ and put our faith in him, we too are made new, forever changed. Believe it or not, 
I'm from Yorkshire. I know <laughs> Leeds lads through and through. You can tell, well, hopefully you can tell by my accent. Uh, what might be shocking to know is I've only recently got into cups of tea. Um, I would have them socially, but as it's got colder, I really enjoy a cup of tea now. Um, that's besides the point, but what I want to show you is, is a Christian life is similar to a cup of tea. What, what I have in front of me is a semi-warm, I'd say lukewarm, cup of water now and a tea bag and as I drop it in and stir the tea bag releases fragrances spices and it changes the appearance and taste of the water the water is changed from just water to tea it's changed by the tea bag it cannot go back to being water it is now tea it has taken on a new identity, forever changed. And in the same way, someone who puts their faith in Christ is forever changed, they are transformed into a new creation. Listen to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. This is why Paul is so intense. As Christians, we are moved from isolation into reconciliation through Christ. It's so important to know that we all, no matter our shape, size, background, colour, gender, are made new through Christ and brought into reconciliation. We are then given the ministry to do likewise, bringing others into that same relationship. My... Uh, my brother, who says some uh, weird and wonderful things, once said this, and I believe it rings true. Every Christian is to be a gospel preacher, especially unto themselves. The messages we tell ourselves are so important and can have a huge impact. So whether it's pinning sticky notes to our, to our bathroom mirror, putting a reminder in our phones, or speaking to a friend. Let's be people who speak the truth to ourselves and to our friends of our newfound identity in Christ. We are to remind ourselves that we are a new creation. Number two, trust in the work of Jesus. Now admittedly, this is easier said than done. As I've said, if we look at our society, we are often encouraged to trust in works and find worth from what we do or achieve. Our job, our relationships are often these things that we look to for a sense of worthiness and identity. Achievements and ability are highlighted. And the recipients of Paul's letter were in danger of allowing this to dictate their beliefs too. For some of us, it might even be that we know and acknowledge what Christ has done on the cross, but it doesn't match up with how we approach life and where we gain a sense of identity from. I know at times this has been true for me. As the pandemic hit last year, I found myself furloughed from work for the majority of the year. And to be honest, I, I struggled and found it really hard to quantify my day. As I reflected, I found that my identity and sense of worth was wrapped up in what I was able to achieve each day. I was trusting in my achievements and a tick list of what I got done to give me a sense of value. Maybe that rings true for some of you too today. 
Just think for a moment, where is it that you find a sense of worth, value or identity? Trusting in Jesus doesn't mean we shouldn't find enjoyment and fulfillment in our jobs or relationships, but it does mean we find our identity, sense of worth and value in him and what he achieved through dying and resurrecting. Trusting in him and his works means we don't have to look anywhere else for these things as we are loved, cherished and cared for through grace. This is what is so incredible about the Christian faith and it's countercultural. Trusting in Jesus means we are justified before works. Rather than getting everything in order and bringing it to a God hoping he accepts, it is bringing what you have, large or small, and knowing through faith that you are accepted. The late Reinhard Bonnke, a German evangelist who spent time uh, speaking to people of different faiths, put it like this. When I stand up to preach the gospel, I often speak to people who have no idea of who, no idea of who God is. They spread their table for their gods, and I tell them that the Christian God does it the other way around. He spreads the table for his children. In the other religions, the people always seek God, but in the Christian faith, God seeks man. Maybe you're listening today and you wouldn't call yourself a Christian. And actually, maybe the idea of trusting in Jesus rather than works and coming to a God who spreads the table for us is something you want to explore. We'd love to hear from you through the chat links. The gospel of grace is that God sought to make a way for us to be justified and be in right relationship with him. So he sent his son to make that way. He spread the table for all who put their trust in Jesus. So number two, we are to trust in the works of Jesus. Number three, and lastly, we are to live in the freedom of his resurrection. As we take on the death and resurrection of Christ, we are reborn into a new reality. This reality is one of freedom from the need to justify ourselves. It's one of freedom from jumping through hoops to find identity and worthiness. Being dead to the laws, Paul puts it, it means we are no longer held by these things. In Christ's work, we are justified, we have identity, and we are seen as worthwhile. This really makes way for lives lived in gratitude. As we drink in all that Christ has done for us, it is gratefulness and humility that begins to form, and we are more than ever motivated to live lives in honour of, of the gracious gift. You see, Paul is passionate because he sees a distortion of the grace that he has been given. The grace he has been given brings people together, knowing we are all begin at the same point, just justification in Jesus. Paul lives in the freedom of the resurrection and he makes it his, own, his business to tell others of this freedom. His liberty is for all and not just a select few. And for us, that's the same. As we marvel at the work Jesus has done, we are to follow as, as Paul does and look to break down barriers amongst us, knowing we are accepted and loved. Not needing to justify ourselves, but putting our faith in the one who already has and drawing the attention of others to do the same. Let me pray. 
Heavenly Father, thank you for the finished work of Christ on the cross. Thank you that through him and put as we put our faith in him, we are justified. I pray you would help us live lives of gratitude and lives that seek to make you famous, calling others into reconciliation. In Jesus' name, pray. Amen.